everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of The Psychic Wives. I'm Kathy Rumsey. And I'm Jerry Carabin. And I'm Ginger Hendry. And we are here today with our special guest, Kim Harrington, who is going to be talking about um, some new work that she's just recently become involved in as a companion animal end-of-life doula, which is... Um, I'm not sure 100% what it means, but I can tell just from the the title of what you do that I could have used you about five years ago um, <laughs> when my heart dog was passing and I was going through the process of, is it time? Is it not time? How do I do this? How do I recover? How do I get my kids through it? All of that. But anyway, so that's what we're going to talk about today. But I know you do more than that also, Kim. So I just wanted to let you introduce yourself. Okay. So um, I'm from Northeast Pennsylvania. And I started this whole thing um, being an animal Reiki practitioner and teacher with the Let Animals Leave Method that was founded by Kathleen Persaud. And as, as my practice went on, I was getting a lot of calls and questions, and I have clients all over the world. I do a lot of work virtually, and it started to center around hospice and end of life, and people very stressed over wanting their animals saved. How can you help me? Can you heal my animal? Mm. And... You nailed it, Kathy, with everything that you said. Um, you went through the whole list about the grief and the kids and everything and making the decisions. And there's so much more to it. Um, I deal with all the basic stuff. So if you need help with the planning, deciding if you even want euthanasia, not everyone does. We work through all that. If you're local, I have a list of resources. If someone doesn't know, you know, maybe a pet cemetery or um, an urn or jewelry or things like that. But we also really dive into the, the spiritual connection because people who are coming to me, they're not they're not just the ones that say, oh, I have a dog and he's really cool and I really like him. They're the people that are really connected. Yeah. The and, dogs. you know, I have a client um, about two months ago, her hamster. And especially in the middle of COVID, we're already isolated and there's nobody to talk to. But even before that, she said, you're the only one that understands. Oh. And that is, I went through it with a hamster when my son had Stuart Little. And I had a friend that, that one person who got it and she would ask me and I watched that poor little hamster for four days and I work at home. I would go and I would check on him every hour and I was a wreck. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter the size. Um, <laughs> Jerry, Jerry can attest to multiple. We just talked about this the other day, Jerry, multiple times. I've called Jerry. My daughter got a hermit crab when she was in seventh grade. <laughs> Seventh grade, she got a hermit crab. She graduated from college a year ago with her four-year degree. The darn hermit crab is still alive. Wow. And a hermit crab. A couple times I have thought he was dead. Turns out he was just molting. But I called Jerry. Oh, my God. The hermit crab is dead. You know, it's like most of the time I'm swearing that this darn hermit crab is still here, you know, a decade later, but then doesn't when I matter the gone, size. Yeah. it doesn't matter the size. It doesn't, you know, no, it's, and, but people, some people don't understand. They don't understand how 
hard the grief is with dogs or cats, much less a hamster or another little critter. My daughter's parakeet passed away, I don't know, a month or two ago. And it was, it was horrible. It was, it was horrible. So I get it. Them 24 seven, we care for them. It's sometimes a deeper relationship than with people. Right. They hear all our struggles. They hear all our sob stories. They're there for us through thick and thin. Mm-hmm. And for some people, you know, it, I love how you call like your heart dog. For me, my, I have a cat right now mm-hmm. who a lot of times you don't realize till after they're gone. Like, wow, that was that once in a lifetime pet. Well, mm-hmm. I know Walter. I still have him. He is my soulmate. I know that now. So I'm glad like I realized it, you know. Yeah, that you, ha- that you have that realization while he's still with you. Mm-hmm. Appreciate you know what's it. super interesting too is we all do what we do we're animal communicators we're mediums we know that it doesn't end at death do you know what I mean but still like I'm starting to kind of well up a little bit here because right behind me I don't know if you can see a little bit where I'm pointing there is my 12 and a half year old German Shepherd so that's old for a German Shepherd and that right there is the heart dog like there's going to have to be drugs involved when this goes down, you know, for me, not for the dog, for me, <laughs> right. when this goes down. But it's so interesting because we know what we know and it doesn't make it, no, I, you know, it may make it a no, tiny bit easier because we know what we know, right. but it still, you still need somebody and you but, still but the, can't the day to day, Right. Say that again, Kath. The, but the day-to-day grief and, and yeah. missing is still there. And I think this concept too, and we'll talk a little bit in a minute about like how it is that you provide support for people. But, um, you know, I actually got into animal communication years ago because of my dog who was end of life. And I was like, I don't know, you know, I, I wanted a sign and I, told him what sign I wanted and he gave me that sign, but I'm not right, re- you know, <laughs> but yeah. I'm not listening. Maybe it wasn't really the sign. Was it really the sign? Yeah. I don't want it to, re- now that it's here, I don't want it to be the sign. And, and a friend said, would you ever think of talking to an animal communicator? And I literally was like, what is that? Yeah. And here I am yeah. <laughs> you know, years later doing it. But um, it was so great to talk to someone, first of all, you know, she, she was psychic. And so she was able to communicate with him that way. Not that I couldn't as well. I just didn't think I could, I didn't know I could. Um, but just like, um, you know, if I have an issue with one of my dogs, I'll go to Jerry or Ginger and say, can you check in? Because when you're so close to it, just like you with Walter, like it will be a harder process for you, even though you have all the tools in your toolbox, and you help other people when it comes to you with your own animal it's still hard to like care for ourselves the We're same so way close. We we someone else right? stand back and see it and the thing that i've learned with grief it's not just emotional grief affects us physically it affects mm-hmm. the entire body mm-hmm. it affects our heart rate depression mm-hmm. everything um so there's so much more to it. And so as I'm, as I'm working through the, with these, these clients with Reiki, I was so afraid because I grew up, it wasn't discussed. My emotional needs were never, ever met. My father once buried my dog and I, to this day, don't know where he was buried. 
and it was never that animal was never talked again about it was never mentioned there was like grief and then there was stress around it right um i lost a cat my brother i had to like beg somebody he my cat was missing for about two weeks and came home and he had a neck injury and i had to beg them my parents were older they grew up in the 70s um we didn't grow up using veterinarians i i would think i was like in middle school i had to beg somebody to drive me to take that cat to the vet and the, the cat didn't make it and my brother drove me home and like no one said a word no one mentioned that animal again wow. and animals were everything to me I, and, I, and was that because and it's funny because i have kind of similar i have a similar background that way and my growing up i always thought that's so cold that's so callous but really what i realized now was it was my parents way of dealing with i don't know how to express this so i'm just gonna shut down so i'm gonna shut it down and i'm not going to express it at all i think it was that generation born in the yeah. 20s and you know they were busy with surviving back then right. and right. you know they each had over 10 kids in their family my mother had to tend to the chickens before school in seventh grade animals were not as i saw them Right. right. And, you know, my mother had three kids early on and then my brother was 20 and I came along and I was just kind of left to fend for myself. So yeah. animals were everything to me. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm realizing now later as I'm going through this, I'm like, no one should have to go through that like I did. And there's got to be a better way to walk somebody through this. And there is no way to get through it without feeling. There's no right. way to process grief without feeling it. And that's what we learned because I grew up the same way. I mean, my the last dog that we had, I overheard my mother talking on the phone that she had put him down and oh. never told me. I overheard it. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, you just shut it down. So yeah. I, I think this is fascinating. I'm also a mind body practitioner. Um, I took courses through embodied philosophy. And I was in there, I signed up and I forget, there was like a lot, like a couple hundred students in there. And we, there was Facebook pages for each course. It's a two year program and you kind of connect with people. Hi, I'm so-and-so. And I was so happy to see all these Reiki practitioners and yoga instructors. But then we start meeting all these psychologists and therapists and people, these professionals with titles. I don't even know. They didn't know what we were talking about. We didn't know what they were talking about. But the future is in counseling, we're equals. If you go to a therapist, it's not them here and us here and them telling us what we should feel. It's a partnership. Yeah. And that's exactly how Reiki with animals is. And that's exactly what being a doula is. I'm not there to tell anybody what to do. We're an emotional support. We're both on the same level and can see, and that's where the compassion comes from. So, so tell me like who, um, a typical, like at what point in a person's pet's life does a, does someone reach out for the services of an end of life doula? So far, it's been after a diagnosis, okay. and it's getting emotionally painful. And Kim, I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. First, they have to decide if they want euthanasia or not. Not everyone does. And that's where we have to step back. We have to have an open mind mm -hmm. without inputting our opinions. So there's a lot of things that come up. I mean, there's even people who want to taxidermy and, and like save their pets. 
And if you're like, oh, hell no, like that's, we have to step back and that's their decision. Nobody can make this decision but that. Yeah. And you can have no judgment over what they want. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because so, everybody's journey is their own, mm-hmm. so that's fantastic. Yeah, right. So we just have to allow them to work through it, and we are just a safe space to listen, um, to let them work through their feelings. And they may ask me, Kim, what do I do? And I have to kind of redirect it. And well, how would it make you feel? What does the energy feel like for you? Yeah. I did a lot of work in my mind body with somatic coaching, and we actually. If you have two decisions, do I do this or do I do this? Um, one of the things people really like to do, it's very helpful, and it helps me with decisions, stand and breathe in that energy. Okay, euthanasia. And you put it in front of you. You put that energy in front of you and step into it. Uh-huh. And how does that make you feel? So and it's, it's all about your awareness and your sensations. And if that's not comfortable and you want to step out, maybe that's not the choice for you. That's so cool. And that's actually a method that we've talked about on a previous, I think on our dousing podcast, we talked about muscle testing and standing, standing still, you know, centering yourself, thinking of something and which way does your body go? Do you go into it or do you go away from it? And it's, it's your body will tell you that's so cool. Yeah. And I think that's so incredibly powerful because um, when you're in that position, you really do. And I remember like, even when, like I said, doing what we do, it was two years ago or whatever. And I was in the position I had to, are we, are we going to euthanize? Are we going to, you know, whatever. And he was ready to go. And I know he was ready to go, but it's like, even doing what we do, it's like the, you want, tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. Want somebody else to, to tell you what to do, because it seems like just this impossible decision. So I love that I mean, that right there was like a powerful piece for me. And I'm like, oh God, I've never really thought of it that way. But I love that you do that to people that, that have no idea that that exists kind of, do you know what I mean? Like that, oh, okay, I can put that in there and I can step into that energy and I can feel it myself. I think that's incredibly powerful. Yeah. Cause people want to know why they want to know they're making, that they're not going to regret their decision, that they're making the right decision when there's no way to quantify right or wrong, really. Like it's you get so hard. Answer. Yes. That's yeah. why people ask, tell me, so that it's not on me. Yeah. But so keep no going with it's... what you were saying. So what, ha- so, so you blow it out there and then they step into. I use it for everything. Like even, yeah. you know, should I take this job? I don't know if this is good for me. I don't know. And it's hard because you say, well, follow your heart because the head gets in the way. Your heart is smarter and it knows what your subconscious really, really wants. And it's hard for people who don't do this to to get that. Well, how do you get, well, because most people don't know how to get out of their head and into their heart. So, And to pay attention to the sensations. Right. So, you know, even with my Reiki clients, I never just do a session. I guide. It's very empowering to know that I, I have nothing special. Uh, there's nothing I have that a client doesn't have that comes to me. You know, I'm not the healer. We all right. are. And it's very empowering to know. And I do a lot of work with meditation with Dr. Joe Dispenza too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm all science. I'm a pharmacist also for over 30 years. So this is actually a little tricky for me to get into because every time I went to a class, I'm like, all right, where's, where's the science here? Where's yeah, the yeah. facts? What are yeah. you telling me here? Um, but there's so much to it. There's yeah. so much what 
calming your mind and meditation, just what it does to the, to the pineal gland and release melatonin and benzodiazepines, which are drugs like Valium and what it, how it can and help emotionally, then physically we, that will follow. So I try to help see that they, they have it in themselves, but it's still hard. It's still a challenge. It's one of the challenges as a doula. What do I do? Please help me. And sometimes there's not a better answer than you will know. And that's how it always ends up. And, and I went through it. I had an 18-year-old Jack Russell who, you know, I had, you, you kind of get blinded. You think, oh, well, today's a good day. And then somebody will come over and be like, you got to put that dog down. And I'm thinking, no, this is a good day. Right. Um, and I know looking back, maybe probably three months longer than I should have. And I only yeah. did it because I was afraid something worse would happen. And then I had yeah, to I think we've, we've all been there. I mean, I remember with one of mine and it was probably the first dog of mine, like not family that I, it was my decision. I was the one that had to, to decide. I mean, my husband was there, but let's be honest. Um, it was, <laughs> you know, whatever you want, Jer, you know what I mean? Not that he wasn't feeling or whatever, but I had to make the decision. And it was like, you know, you, you go to, cause you don't want to go too soon. You don't want to go too late. And that's that big thing. You're trying to find that sweet spot, which like doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Because of course we know doing what we do, the animals aren't attached to it. Like we're attached to it. Right. You know what I mean? So it was like, you know, she stopped eating. So then we went through the, you know, went from the dry food to the wet food. And then we went to baby food. And then I was like feeding her like scrambled eggs with my hands. It, it, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and finally at one point, um, she literally, I was sitting there on the floor feeding her with my hands and I'm sitting there crying and I put the food down for a second and she took her head and just went right into my chest mm. and was just like, mom, enough, enough. you know, like, like this kind of thing. But I do know that was my first one and I let it go too long. I In my opinion, I guess, again, I don't know. There, there was no attachment from... No, I think you don't. I mean, the first time you really don't know and you yeah. really want to do the right thing and you're, you're willing to pull out the stops and do everything. I had a mini schnauzer who had a, um, it, we believe at the end, had a brain tumor, but she had seizures. And so we did phenobarbital, which would make her sick. And she would have to get used to it like over a week's time. And then she'd be good for a few weeks. Then she'd seize again, would up the dose. She'd be, we did this for months, so yeah. probably four months. And then finally she got caught in a loop that you know, was obvious. And so I did something. Yeah. I always felt bad about that. But the second I had a schnauzer behind her, I was better at it. And, the, and this is like animal communication thing, but he was failing. He didn't really hear anymore. He didn't have much eyesight. He wasn't sick. But I came in the house one day, I was outside in the yard and I came back in, he was in the kitchen and, you know, schnauzers like sit with the little legs out like a frog and he was yeah. laying and he had gone both ways. Um, and probably didn't know or couldn't get up. Yeah. It looked me right in the face and I heard him say, I'm done. Yeah, please. And I knew, but, but I learned from the first one. I don't know. I would have picked that up as quickly the yeah. second time. So, so Kim, how does it do, do they, is it like one phone call? Is it a process? Is it when it's a process. A lot of people contact me and I help people as much as I can. It's not like, I'm not going to talk to you until you give me money. It's, it's, right. I, I'm in this Enrique to build relationships and friendships and to help people walk through this. Like I didn't have anyone to help me. Mm -hmm. And so 
a lot of times it's, it's usually online. I get a lot of people through Instagram. Um, I get a lot of local people through Instagram. Um, and then my Facebook page and stuff like that. And people will say to me, you know, and then I'll direct them to my website and I'll say, see if you see anything here, but I also offer just, just everything, any kind of, and everybody's different. I have people that get a cancer diagnosis in their dog and two days later, they put the dog down. Those are usually not my clients. They may contact me before, um, but they're really, they don't have that connection. And we're, yeah. I think everyone here is an animal empath. Mm -hmm. it's, it's much different. So, you know, we, we, we develop a rapport and, and there's different things I might use for one client than I use for another. Um, but basically we're just creating a safe atmosphere where they can feel and where they can work through their issues with courage. Mm -hmm. um, I offer in person, it would be, everything was shut down with COVID, of course, but it would be tasks. It would be, you know, if you're at work and you need somebody who really knows animals and can help with feeding or the vet medicine or running to the vet and any little chore that would help them have more time with their dog. Yeah. But then I also do things, if the person is so stressed, the animal's going to feel it. Our thoughts and words have energy. Mm -hmm. So it's even with Reiki, people would contact me and say, there's something off with my pet. And with, I do like an intake kind of thing. We discuss what's happening. I used to say 50%. It was with the family. Then I upped it to 75. Now it seems like just about everybody, the problem with the animal, there's something going on in the house. Mm. So it's the energy, the whole energy in the house is off balance. And even if there's a lot of illness in the house, you know, how many times have you heard of someone, we're, we're, we have a cancer patient in the house, we're going to hospice and chemo, and then, oh my God, my dog got sick. My dog has cancer. Mm -hmm. So not that it's contagious, but the energy is off yeah. in the house. So when they call me, there's something wrong with the pet. What's going on with you? So we also dive deep into that. And I think that I also do a lot of work with why are they here? What message are they here for? I think that animals come into our life for a reason. Yeah. Um, we, we choose an animal based on, you know, you can give a tour at the Humane Society to children and say, what was your favorite, what was your favorite dog you saw? And the shy little kid will pick the little shy dog in the back. Mm -hmm. loud boisterous kid oh, I like this crazy one up front you know so there's and they come in to teach us lessons and a lot of times you stress over that animal leaving but maybe it's because you you've learned they 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 did what they had to show you you've mastered it and it's time for them to go mm -hmm. and I have a client um one of my most favorite it, it was over I think it was the last six weeks or so she contacted me she had two dogs and the one had cancer and it's the same kim i don't know what to do how will i know it's time everything was done virtually because of covid she's local but everything was done virtually and i actually agreed to go down i said um welcome down we'll do a reiki session i'll teach you how to calm yourself and how to work with with your dog um it turns out on mother's day the day i was supposed to go down there she messaged me in the morning she goes she's going she said i gotta go to the vet she goes this is the day mm -hmm. and she's she's voice texting me the whole time on the way to the vet she had to pull over on the highway her brother's giving her a hard time Lisa, you can't do it today. It's Mother's Day. Oh and I said, you can't. It's not his decision. Right. Your, your dog is telling you it's time. She was up all night, same thing. You know, couldn't hold the bell. She had to carry her out. So 
Then we start working through over the course of the week ways that she can honor that dog. We did guided meditations. I would send her audios created just for her with her pet's name, um, giving her courage. And we included the other dog, things like that. So then she started asking me, well, my boy dog, you know, doesn't have the alpha dog now. So we start working with that. And I said, you have to be careful on walks. He may be more reactive. If someone came to the house, I said, not that anyone would during COVID. Mm-hmm. Well, don't you know, someone came to the house and her boy dog, this is a week later, jumped. She didn't know what happened at the time, but a week later she contacted me. She said, my boy dog can't walk. And I said, was there any problem before? And she said, no. She goes, out of the blue, he can't walk. And I said, Lisa, let's start, let's start looking into that. Is there anything that you feel unsupported? Is there anything, I know things are so hard right now, but is there anything else besides the loss of your girl dog a week ago? Is there something that you feel that you can't stand on your own? Let's look into this. This girl sent me huge emails. I was working and it was coming up on my phone and she would write me a novel. And then she's like, stay tuned for part two. I was on the edge of my seat. She starts telling me the story going 20 years back to her first husband. And it was always about, you know, the stepdaughter and this and that, and always the animals were included right up to this situation. Now I didn't know any of this in December. She had, um, the husband, uh, physically assaulted her and, she was on the ground that marriage is dissolved now she's dealing with court cases and the sickness of that dog and now this dog's on the ground Mm. and as it turns out where that dog lay on the ground was exactly where the husband had her on the ground and both dogs witnessed this Mm. and it was just whoa so we we, we we get things like this in our animal communication readings you know where it's like you know why is the dog acting this way and it's like um you know and there's sometimes some difficult things that that come up like that that you have to because our dogs will mirror us or yes or um y- you know you you had mentioned before about um uh, you know, what sickness is going on or, or, or something like that. I was, I recently went through chemo and I'm telling you my dog, I mean, and I know this is kind of, it's kind of funny, but it's not kind of funny. She's, I didn't lose my hair because of blah, blah, blah. But um, she has hair loss on the back of her. Do you know what I mean? And it was very stressful situation for like six months or whatever. And this dog is very, uh, reactive to me like you will watch her watch me like if my husband and I are ever mad at each other we almost have to be but honey you're being a jerk <laughs> you know what I mean because if you yell in my house she's like uh you know whatever and she's like Foom, right by my side um so it's just really super interesting I love that you're saying this because we do find these things when we do animal communication readings that they're trying to tell you something or they're you know, their, their behavior may be like, Hey, you need to chill a little bit or this bad thing is happening or whatever. I, I, it's so powerful. And I don't think people get that. No, I don't a lot of people. Either. at least for animal communication, because a lot of times they're coming in for a specific reason. Can you help me fix this with this? Yes. Well, can you help me? Whatever. And then <laughs> like, whoa, you know, they didn't, they don't expect what the animal has to say or what, the, what information the animal is giving. So and it is funny because we'll do, you know, when we do animal communication, we read the human first. So we read the human and then we read the animal. And there's always that, just like you're saying, Kim, 
the lesson at the end, what are they working with you on and, and stuff like that. And there are, um, I've had clients before and say, no, 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 don't read me. I don't yeah. want any, no, this is just why is the dog pooping in the living room? Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? This is, it has nothing to do with me. And you're like, okay, okay. You know, and it usually does. Yeah. I had a yeah. client. Why is my cat? Um, we're getting guests whenever, like once a year, the in-laws come and stay. And how come before it even happens, my cat poops in the bed in the guest room? And I said, well, do you like when the in-laws come? Oh, hell no. Yeah. <laughs> so we change our focus. And it usually, it, it very often will get rid of the problem in the animal. It's all about, you know, not saying don't, don't pull the curtains down. Like, oh, put a focus on a positive spin somewhere else. Here, play with this toy. So it's yeah. all about changing. And I'm not a communicator. I would love to do what you do. Oh, but, I think, but I think you do, Kim. Yeah, I, think you I, I mean, you may, not, you may not have all the tools that we have in our toolbox, but from everything that you've told me so far today, you absolutely communicate with animals. And that's a confusing part. Like we talked about it in class with Kathleen, you know, the differences. And to me, I'm a very passive receiver. But what, what do you have to teach me? And other people are like, you know, what is my cat telling me? So it's, it's, it's could be tricky. You know, it's, yeah. I'm not actively listening. I have no expectations. Um, that's that's when the magic happens, when you have no, I just had the most coolest thing happen with a horse. Um, I'm not a horse person, never really owned one. And there's a pond by us and we walk all the time. And for like the last five years, I'm like trying to get these horses to come to me. And every animal, I am an animal magnet to everything, but these two horses. And I'm kind of like, what's the problem here? You guys ignore me. <laughs> and like, they hate me. So the one particular day, it was the three of us, me, my husband and my son. And we went past and when we turn around to come back, we're blinded. It was late, like after dinner time and the sun was low. We are blinded. And usually we're walking and the guys are like, oh, look at these shrubs. I like how they did the landscape. Look at this bird. Look at this. We couldn't see. So I started doing one of the walking meditations that we did at the Catskills. Mm -hmm. And my son's 20. He's kind of slowly moving into this. He tries to meditate and this and that. But with Reiki, he's like, no, get away from me. He doesn't know what I'm talking about. But I started saying this meditation out loud because we couldn't see. We couldn't look at anything else. Right. And I knew I, and I shared Reiki with all the animals in this pond. I mean, there's everything coming there. There's geese and, and beavers and there's a bald eagle. And I even included the horses I knew were down at the end of the road on a curve. And I still couldn't see. We get down there and it was chaos. I remember my husband going, oh my God, he's coming to you. And here there was a woman walking with a dog. My son turns. He thinks the dog's coming at me. Nobody can see. I realized I heard gallops. Oh, wow. That horse ran to me. Mm -hmm. And I, was, I finally figured out what was happening. I'm looking and he stopped right at the edge of the fence. Mm -hmm. And the woman walking the dog was a neighbor. And she goes, I have never seen him do that so you know how awesome that is when you yeah, have like right. outside validation and I said to the horse I said you finally came over I said do you want me to come visit you again and he put his head down his nose on the grass picked it up and nodded at me oh my and the woman you know. saw this and my husband's like oh this is normal for her this is normal yeah. so then of course every time I go back I'm like 
it's hard. It's hard to not have that expectation, but I like that attachment, right? It'll never happen again. And I said to my husband, be prepared because I'm not going to stop talking about this for like a week. Well, it's been months. Like it was so cool. (laughs) So even, yeah, we're surprised too. When something, you know, you just, you can't expect anything. You can't, there's no one way that it's supposed to evolve and happen. It's not like they're going to run to you and want to hug you. It's, but when something like that happens, it's, it's so cool. It's, it's the hardest part of yeah. That's one of the hardest parts of animal communication is that we absolutely 100% have to get ourselves into a place of absolute non-attachment. And in fact, my little prayer or intention or whatever before every um, communication, every reading is that I actually say, you know, let me be blah, 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 whatever. And let me have no attachment to the outcome because it's so difficult and I think that's why also Kathy what we you I think you had said it before when you have something going on with your animal you go to one of us as Mm -hmm. the same as I do right you know not so you know if it's if it's something easy yeah I can communicate oh yeah no easy stuff but but if it's anything like for me especially with the big one over here if it's anything with her and her health or something like that there's a whole lot of attachment there because I want it to be a certain way. Like, I'm all good. I'm never going to pass. I'm never, you know what I mean? So there's a lot of attachment there. And, you know, that's one of the hardest things that we have to do is have that no attachment to the horse running up to you, to the, you know, animal giving you that perfect sign that you've been waiting for, you, you know. You know, I mean? and it's, it's, it's funny because I, I mentioned earlier that I got into animal communication because my, my heart dog was, approaching end of life he he was a a shepherd and um he was old he had a lot of, he had a lot of health issues and um so i got in touch with an animal communicator i had a reading done my husband did not believe it's so funny now because he's like my biggest advocate of like because he's just like i didn't believe it was possible even like the psychic stuff you know i'm doing mediumship stuff now he always thought that that was just not real, basically, for lack of a better word. But when I told him I was going to, I was so distraught about my dog years ago that I was like, I just, I want to do this. And he's like, whatever will make you feel better. So I had a reading and it was an hour long and I am a bit of an avoider. So I ended up um, having my other two dogs who were young and healthy read before we got to my heart dog, <laughs> which is interesting because it's almost like I think I was afraid. Yeah. No, kind of thing. But I record. We recorded the session, and I played it that day for my husband. I played the entire thing from the woman reading me, and getting in for like very specific information about me that he was just like, "Oh my God, do you know this person? Like, how does she know that about you?" To all three of my dogs so spot on with um, personality traits, looks, all kinds of stuff, messages like why they're here. And my big thing was, I think he's been showing me signs and I'm not listening. And she said, no, you told him like, this is the sign. She said, but that's not his sign for you, which is why you think you're seeing a sign because you told him what the sign was going to be. And he's saying, no, that's not my sign. And I was like, well, that makes sense. Cause now I'm like, I'm good. Like I'll deal with this, this 
and it was the losing the bowels thing. I was like, as soon as that's my sign, as soon as he starts losing his bowels, it's a, for me, it was a dignity thing. You know, it was a, but then it started happening and I'm like, but it's easy to clean up and it, he's not messy or whatever. So I would just that, but then I thought, you know, in my head, I thought, so, she, but she was like, this is what his sign, you know, she asked him, she was like, what is your sign? And she's very specifically said he wants to be, he wants to spend time. She's like, it kind of looks like you're going for a walk. And I was like, oh, okay. Cause he can't walk. He couldn't really walk very well. Like not to go for a walk. He couldn't mm-hmm. walk. And she's like, but it's not, yeah, it's weird. Cause it's like, he says he wants to go for a walk, but he's not walking. He's just laying in the grass but it's very specific. It's just you and him in the grass, just the two of you and blah, blah, blah. So fast forward to a few months later and um, my husband wakes up one, one Sunday morning to take care of all the, all the animals. And he comes to get me at like six in the morning. And he said, you need to go. Angus is bad. He's, it's bad. You need to get up and go, go be, he's outside. And I was like, okay. And at the time we had a pool in our backyard that was like, had rocks all around it. And he was in the shade behind the pool. Cause it was, it was August. It was really hot, even though it was like six o'clock in the morning. And, um, so I walk out, you know, in my t-shirt and underwear yeah. <laughs> backyard. And I, and I didn't even have, I didn't even put flip-flops on or anything. So I'm like walking across the rocks to get to him. And I could tell he was in, he was in really bad shape. And my husband said, I'm going to go make you a cup of coffee. You sit with him. But I was like, I can't sit on the rock. So I said to the dog, I was like, I'll be right back. I'm going to go get a cushion off the, off the pool deck and come back. And I was gone for like, um, you know, we had a Keurig. So it was like a minute, you know, my husband, my husband went to make coffee. I come back and he's the dog had moved from where he was on the rocks in the shade to about probably like 30 yards away to the middle of our backyard grass and mm. he was laying there and i put the cushion down in the grass and i sat and my husband came back out with the coffee and he goes you moved him and i said no i i didn't move him i just went up to get a cushion off the deck and he said he can't walk I carried him out to the shade and I said, I didn't move him. I don't know. I'm just going to sit here with him. And my husband went to walk away to give us privacy. And it's so funny because I'm getting goosebumps now. And he looked at me and he said, this is exactly what the animal communicator described in your reading of he wants to be just you and him. No one, no other dogs, no people, no anything around. He said, this is your sign. He's, he's ready, you know, and it really, and it's so interesting because I, I'd like to think I would have figured that out, but I'm not sure. Like I'd like Because of that attachment. Because I was so attached to him and I so, my daughter was leaving for college a week later and one, you know, but I look at it now, she was going to be a freshman and one of her things was, I'm so afraid to go away to college because I'm, I'm so afraid he's going to die when I leave. Mm-hmm. And I think he went, she's got five days left at home. It's time, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Um, so it was really, it was really, really impactful. But I was still so attached that 
as soon as my husband said it, I recognized it, yeah. but I'm, I didn't come up, you know, I didn't see it on my own first. Yeah. And that's normal. That's a lot. And that's part of what we work through like after, and we start to analyze things and you get these messages from these clients, like, wow, like you helped me look at this through a whole different lens yeah. and it's not an end. It's not, you know, we, a lot of people don't want to talk about it. A lot of people don't want to talk about the death and it's, yeah. it doesn't have to be ugly. It could be a good death. Yeah. So we also may do things like that and have, if somebody wants, um, you know, a ritual done, if it's virtual, I can help them. I can help them with different legacy things and, and even going through the process. Maybe they want to build a little altar or maybe the animal. A lot of minds, I had hound dogs and they always wanted to go off alone. Right. So they would go, you know, under the bushes. So if they're in the house, I'd say, you know, maybe make a little sanctuary. Maybe make like an old-fashioned tent, like with the table and the pillows and the blanket. Yeah. Give them a place where they can go if they want to. So we work with that. Or I have them, some people like to write legacy letters. Some people aren't writers at all. Mm -hmm. But writing down things is really therapeutic and releasing. And yeah. one of the projects I offer to them, I say, write a letter from their point of view to you from the moment they came home with you yeah and they're not focused on that horrible ending that they think is going to be so bad and so tragic they're going through the whole beautiful life and oh my god that's yes. such a great idea and then they have it and then they save it and it's something oh my gosh i love that so it's I different for everyone that. I actually yeah. did it once with that first aunt, that first dog that, that we had to put down. I wrote this big long letter because we didn't have the best relationship at the beginning because she was like wide open and it was like, oh my God, this dog make, makes me crazy. But then later on, it was like this amazing relationship and, and it was like, she was just awesome. And, and I just loved her, loved her, loved her. And so I wrote this big long letter and I, when we did take her to the vet, I gave them the letter and I said, could you please... Put this with her because we were going to have her cremated yeah. um so i gave her i wrote the letter to her yeah. Uh, yeah the dog and and whatever i love the different you know kathy uses the word toolbox and and we do have our toolbox i love all these different parts and pieces kim in your toolbox there i mean it's, yeah. it's amazing and and i so my question to you is you know, we talked about that, you're, you know, animal communicator or whatever, like you just know when you meet somebody, Ooh, I think this is a good match that they need to have, or this is a good, like, so you're just talking to this person and you see where they're at and you know enough to go to your toolbox and say, this is going to work for them or this. I love that. I think that's really, um, that's very intuitive right there. That's I was just going to say. I mean, so for just saying, Kim, you know, <laughs> like, you know, you're saying you're not psychic and blah, 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 but sort of, you know. Like. Well, I like that you're talking about grief and recognizing grief because that's the most difficult thing for people to acknowledge, to feel, to, you know. And, and I don't know if it, Kathy and, and Jerry, this comes up, but it comes up a lot in my readings when I have an animal that's getting ready to transition or an animal who's recently passed or if, if a person's stuck is talking the animal will talk about grief and a lot of times it will be you need it needs to be acknowledged you need to feel it you need to release it i always see this picture of like it coming up and out so however that person does it yeah um, and uh and the animal will hit it head on because you're kind of through it 
years ago, a friend told me something um, with the loss of her father. This is going back like 20 years. And so I have this image. Her therapist told her, we all get a bucket of grief. And you have to go through that entire bucket. Huh. You have to work through the whole thing. And I know people who, I have a friend who had, who lost her father before the, right before the birth of her first son. And she ended up having two sons. So her father never knew her sons. She got busy. She pushed that away. She ended up like in huge grief for her father 10 years later because yeah. she didn't go through it. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that's one thing. So, and if it gets to a point, I also, you know, I'm ready with referrals. If it comes to a point where the client just isn't eating, isn't functioning after a certain part, it's, that's beyond me. And I may have to consult with a family member or talk to them or say, you know, maybe, maybe this person can help you. Mm -hmm. I have to know what, what my role is and what, you know, what, what I am capable of helping them with and when it's time to pass them on to someone else. But well, I also, a good way to help people work through grief, someone had, um, I, I, I used to tell people, write down every day, at the end of the day, like on, like maybe a one to five, was it terrible or was it a five? And someone found a rock in the woods. This is, and this is where we have an open mind and curiosity and we learn from our clients. Someone found like a five-sided rock and they took a Sharpie and they put different, like, I guess, emojis and like one was happy one was sad and every day they would put that rock on how their day was and they started to realize they thought they were just a mess they thought they weren't coping with this and they started to realize that there were more and more days with the smiley face up oh, so sometimes wow. we don't know but to have something to show us every day well you know it wasn't so bad today i made it to the shower before i cried yeah. I made it like down to my coffee before I cried. Like I got farther and farther. So, and you start to track that and it helps you grow. I, I know, you know there's an end in sight. I know we've said this a couple of times, but it's just, I, I really think that what you're doing is really incredibly powerful. And it's just, yes. because again, what you're, what you can, what we've all said is you got to move through the grief. Right. It's so important. Well, and, and you have to, you know, and to have a, to have a safe space, to do that in is so important. I had a, um, yeah, because not to interrupt, but because yeah, you're not allowed to in a lot of places in our society now just suck it up. It's right. a dog. Right. It's a dog. Exactly. What oh my God. About? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I had, um, a neighbor of mine had, he's, he's my age and gosh, he hasn't lived in that house in like 20 years. So he was quite young. He was maybe 30, 30 years old or so, maybe 35. His mother, his mother passed. She had MS. So it was kind of expected, but not, she passed in her sleep. So it was, you know, she had MS, but she was not end of life, so to speak. And then his father very unexpectedly passed about I don't know, within six months, I don't remember exactly. And he was, a, you know, he was in his, in his thirties, like that's young to lose both your parents within six months. But then he lost his dog that had been his dog, like, and she was like 14 or 15 years old. And she was the dog. She went to work with him every day, everything. And I remember, and of course he knew I was a big dog person. So, he, you know, we 
like both be out to get the mail at the same time or something. And I saw him one day and I asked him how he was. And he said, you know, I'm really, he said, I'm really, really struggling. He said, I have more grief over losing my dog than I did over losing both of my parents, mostly because people are like, oh, I heard about your dog. I'm sorry. End of discussion. Right. And he yeah. said, as opposed to my parents where people were like, how can I help? What can I do? Do you want to talk? And he said, but it comes to my dog. He said, you know, not that he didn't love his parents, you know, not to minimize the death of his right. parents. That's very common. A lot of but, people, I feel terrible, but the dog hit me worse than my mother. Like, yeah, it's very common. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And and it what it is just that you get shut down enough times that you go, there's no space, there's no safe space to express this grief except for, you know, so to have that, that space where you can just go, I know this person will understand and maybe actually give me some, some tools to help me cope with the grief. But if nothing else to, to lend an ear and just let me say it because I was, so Angus, the, the dog that I was just telling you his end of, you know, his last day story, I got him after my, I have been blessed. I have had three heart dogs in a row that I am sure have all been sent by the same dog that I'm going to tell a little story about now, but he passed. My kids were very, very young. And it was one of those, he never let on how sick he was. And I think it was just so that don't do any interventions on me. I'm going to finally show you I'm sick when there's no choice for you to make anymore kind of thing. I cried every day, every morning for five months. And at the, and I said, I will, ne I'm, I'm never doing this again. And I kind of mm -hmm. went to where my father was with, I grew up with a dog that I just loved. He was a German shepherd. He was, best dog he passed away same thing like it was one of those I woke up one morning I was 11 years old to overhear my parents talking about that the dog was sick and he was out hiding behind a wood pile they sent me off with the neighbor for the day I came home and the dog was gone and I don't know whatever happened to him um never spoken of again and we were told no more dogs and just very cold, very, no, we'll, we're never getting another dog again. Um, and I kind of went that route because it was so heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. And then one day after five months, my husband said to me, he looked at me and he goes, you've cried every day for five months. You're a dog person. You, we, you need a dog. And I went that day and Angus, the dog that I just told the story about before, had been born two days previously. And it's like, there's, there's no doubt that it was all, you know, the timing was kind of divine and whatever. But for me, crying every day wasn't helping. It wasn't getting me where I needed to be and telling my husband, I'm really sad, but he didn't know how to help me process the grief either. You know, I didn't have someone who really knew and I didn't know how to really dig down into what's really going on how animals are our therapists yeah yep 
they they're yeah. healing us and they are here even though you know it's you can't have grief without the love right so, well, i know how much says what what does joe say that grief is grief is just an expression of love for someone who's no longer here you know it really is like it's my vet that i had um who was my parents age um, when i bought my house and moved to, um, you know into town and we were trying to decide if we were going to get a puppy i had had an elderly dog and he said to me no people won't agree with me but this is my take when i he said i don't usually have two dogs together for the whole time um but he said when i do have an older dog i do get a puppy and my reasoning is that two things one it does help the older dog who might stay longer than they want to stay longer because you're attached but two, that it's hard to grieve with a puppy in the house. It's not that you don't grieve. Right. It's not that you don't, you know, um, re, you know, love that dog and, and whatever. But it's difficult to get mired down in the grief if you have a puppy in the house. And so he had always done that. And we ended up doing that. We, I've yeah. always done that as well. So I've yeah. always done the... <clears throat> um, I love the old dog. I don't wait until the, until the older dogs are really old. But I I love that they they teach the puppies how to be good yes. dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you're right. And I I can remember when when Blitz died. Oh my gosh! Like it must have been like 17 years ago now. Um, and so my kids were little, and I would say they would you know they they were sad. They loved they loved him as much as I loved him. And I would say let's you know give that love to give that love to Maxine. She's still here. They were litter mates. So I said, you know, she needs our love. She needs our comfort too. And um, yeah, so we could talk all day. We could talk all day. We could talk all day. But um, it's nice I, to find people that understand. Yeah. I grew up as a kid being like, I'm so weird. No one knows what I have here. And why do people not have this? that I have, and I don't think it was until like my 50s before I found yeah. people that yeah. I discovered I'm not weird. I'm uh, an animal empath, there's a lot of people like us out there, and when you I find these people, hang on to them. Hang because, on. Yeah, I remember um, going to my first animal communication workshop at Omega, and walking in, and first of all, Omega, there was a, there was a big shaman thing going on. So it was a little like, first I was probably there. Like you were probably <laughs> there. Um, big shaman it, was a, thing. it was like super, super spiritual that happened yeah. to be like, there was a lot of spiritual stuff going on then. And I'd never been there before. Um, but I walked into the room where the animal communication workshop was the first night. And I just, you know, in the chatting that you do before the program begins. And I literally remember thinking, Oh my God, I've found my people. Yeah. Like, Peeps. you know, just that Where they know. Where have you it's all been? Not, it's not that they just love dogs, it's that they get that there's a higher, they have a higher purpose. And that all goes with healing. Um, you know, I have something where it was never anything major, but just stuff with relationships in my family that I suffered, like loneliness and depression and things like that. No one understands, they don't get it. And until my husband sat down and let me talk for two days straight, he understood. And I just felt like the world opened up. You have to be heard to heal. Yeah. yeah. And that all, and animals. Oh, I love that. You have to be heard to heal. Mm -hmm. 
And what a difference. I felt like I was on cloud nine. I'm like, I'm not crazy. Everything's like, oh, you know, so what? You're lonely. I love being alone. Just because you do doesn't mean I enjoy this. And people don't even understand loneliness. I keep saying I could be lonely at Madison Square Garden at a U2 concert and not be lonely when I'm alone in the woods with nature. Mm-hmm. Loneliness right. is something that a lot of people can't even grasp. And for me, it was about sitting with animals in Reiki at the animal sanctuary. Mm-hmm. I found emotions that I, you know, for a while last year, I was really getting angry because I was sick of all those Pinterest and Facebook, like find your joy. And I'm like, you're putting so much pressure on people. After a certain age, you don't find joy. Joy is like for, oh, maybe, you know, I get engaged or the birth of a child. Once you get this age, what's to be joyful about? And through animals, I found that feeling. Animals and meditation took me there. So when you find what brings you that joy, go with that. That seems to be a big theme in in some of the readings I've been doing recently is is talking about joy. And I did one this past week for a woman I had done before. It was connecting with her dog. And she had just gotten out, well, recently, of an abusive relationship. And the dog was talking about, um, you know, finding the joy and raising your vibration. And so he said to me, um, she loves music. And so I say, he's acknowledging that you love music. And she said, I do. And then he showed me a picture of her dancing by herself in her, in her house. And I said, he, I, what he was showing me, and she was in tears. And she said, I do, I do. It makes me feel good. And, he, and I said, he said, crank the music up and do it. Like, oh, move I forward. Yeah. Awesome. And I, and I do, I love to find your joy. I love that. I just, it is, it, it's a little messier, the path to finding your joy, especially for those of us who, stuffed our emotions down like you have to you have to release this stuff before you can get to a place like you said what joy like what what <laughs> it's a flaw it making me mad i'm like you're putting so much pressure on me there's no joy what's like i'm i thought content was good i had friends who were so i had this one friend at work she she was she was amazing and surprisingly she's no longer here she died of a heart attack at a young age but oh. i was friends with her all through college and even at work, she'd have a stack of like the Oprah magazine. She loved the entertainers and this and that. But we'd be at work and our job, crap, like it's mundane. It's, and she said to me the one day, do you believe there's people right now in the Mediterranean on a yacht? Like she always had this, she wanted to be somewhere else. And I thought, yeah, well, I guess we could be, but I really don't, like I was happy, I was content. And I thought that was good. I wasn't like suffering because I was striving to be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So this whole time I'm looking at it wrong. I'm like, you can be better than content. You can get that joy. And just because you're in the Mediterranean on the yacht does not, not necessarily cool. mean you're in the <laughs> yeah. I'm crying, I'm hot. Yeah, 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 right. yeah exactly. 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 Good point. Yeah. Yeah. You can find joy in walking down the road and having a horse run up to see you. And, and yeah. Exactly. Yeah much more than that i can attest to that mm-hmm. kim thank you so much for being here today we are going to have all your information on our website um and you are offering a discount to readers um so i'm gonna just i'm gonna just read it here um your your offer for listeners is an hour distant reiki Distance Reiki healing session with personal 10 to 15 minute meditation audio customized just for 
you with your pet's names. Just email Kim all the information you'd like her to know, animal species name, any issues you'd like healing for or general well-being. $40 uh, with audio sent via email in 24 to 48 hours. And that, oh, that's so awesome that you that's do awesome. customized meditation. So you can, once you get that audio file, you can just listen to it over and over. Yeah. Um, so you can, to our listeners, you can take Kim up off, on that fantastic offer. Um, just go to our website. You'll find her name. You can click on her uh, website and send her an email. That's wonderful. But before we go, I do have a few of our questions. Um, this one I'm interested to know because I feel like you and I are kind of kindred spirits a little uh, given what I've learned from you so yeah. far. But what was your um, religious or spiritual upbringing? None. None? No church? No anything? I was brought up, my mother was Catholic, my father was Protestant, and we went to church, I think, I vaguely remember Christmas and Easter, because it was okay. in walking distance, and then Christmas was too cold, so we only did Easter, because my mother would be home cooking, um, I know nothing, and, and it scared me, because we didn't raise my son with a religion either, and the college he picked, they have to take these religious classes, and I'm like, interesting he's not gonna know what they're talking about but he actually it was more like a history and he loved it and he actually got you know he learned about all different i find that fascinating i love learning about yeah. all the different religions but i wasn't brought up in any cool. and i think that's why i found this i was kind of always looking for something. i felt like there's something i don't know if i believe in god i feel there's something yeah. well i think it would almost be easier to have not had that whole like yeah upbringing that the catholic upbringing of the you know right be good or else, yeah. or be good or else you'll have to put extra money in the bucket every Sunday at church. And then you're okay. Kind I of. feel there's more. I feel there's something out there. I feel there's reasons. I, there's a plan. There's something. I feel there's more. Just don't know what it is yet. <laughs> um, if you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would it be? You know, I had, uh, it was going to happen. Anthony Bourdain. I was going to make it uh, <laughs> But um, the last couple of years I became vegan. I'm not like that man would have food crawling across his plate and eat like that would have been an issue. So maybe drinks, but yeah, just to hear where he's been and, and pick his That's brain. Awesome. That's a great answer. I he, thought he, I loved him. I'm still crushed. He, he was, he was cool. Um, and if, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? All your pets are here waiting for you. I always, mm felt you know if if heaven will never heaven be unless your pets are there to greet me it's not heaven unless they're there waiting for yeah. me yeah yeah awesome. absolutely well thank you so much for that joining was awesome us kim thank you so much for that i love you guys this was Aww. if you guys ever go to mega i, I want to come i want to like hang ah, out with you guys you guys cool. are awesome i love your show i love everything you're doing you guys are going to be huge ah. <laughs> oh, kim, thank you so much Thank you. Awesome. And so for, uh, for our listeners, um, you can find us our website, www.thepsychicwives.com. Find us on Facebook at The Psychic Wives. You can stream our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Just search for The Psychic Wives. Tell your friends, share us, uh, leave us messages on Facebook. Let us know what you want to hear about coming up. Um, and we will see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.